Round one. Fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 322nd episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and those sexy audio-based legends over at Audio-Technica. Go and upgrade your audio game today at audiotechnica.com. I'm your extremely humble host, Brenda White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brenda8Bits. And joining me today, as is tradition, my podcast writer, die, the King Boo to my King Bobom. You can find her on them socials at Miss Ally Hart. Miss Ally Hart, how the bloody hell are you? Doing good. Feeling positive on this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty excited to finally uh, talk about things that I've actually watched. Um, I'm actually up to date with <laughs> the the norms of uh, what people are watching lately. So I'm actually excited to participate in the conversation. It's so <laughs> sad. It is so sad. I'm usually so far behind, but I'm able to actually be one with the kids. That's it. That's it. It's, it's great to have you here on the front lines with me today and uh, talking about the things that the kids are uh, you know, feeling is all the rage and all the rave right now. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I guess I might throw it over to you first and foremost to talk about a movie that I mentioned a little bit last week, just to uh, get yeah. your uh, thoughts and feelings on before we deep dive on something we've collectively checked out this week. So, uh, John Wick 4, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, um, it was good. It was very, very good. Um, obviously, still, not, I'm going to try my best not to get into spoiler territory, but um, it was a good movie. Um, there are things in it that I may be... Probably ain't so positive on that everyone else Mm -hmm. is. Um, There are some amazing set pieces and cinematography work that are just absolutely breathtaking. And someone someone involved in that movie just did a lot of work and a lot of attention to detail and just made some absolutely stunning pieces, um, pieces of art uh, in that movie. Um, the action, it was action. Uh, the, the thing I am going to say, and I know this is going to be very rich, uh, saying it about a John Wick movie, uh, there was too much fighting, I think. Too much fighting. Too much, too much wickery. Too much wickery. Uh, I'm only going to say this in the sense that I enjoy, um, the fight scenes in like most action films, obviously well done and stylized. And there's a lot of work and a lot of effort that goes into choreographing a fight scene and obviously everyone involved in it. So I'm not going to try and downplay that. However, when you have so many, um, it kind of all just in my mind kind of started blending into each other. And I think it kind of lost its spectacle and it just kind of numbed me out on how much fighting and like how much um, fight scenes were in it and it just kind of it lost its wow factor to me Um, there were some great ones in there but after a while I was kind of like okay another fight all right like and then they went on for quite a long time as well Um, so just for me personally I, I, I think it kind of did a negative for me so but like overall it was a good movie um it was good I enjoyed it obviously yes it did go for quite some time uh maybe it wouldn't have gone for so long if maybe some of the fight scenes were cut down just a little bit um but overall I agree with the consensus that it was a good movie Mm, it's um it's very exhausting that movie like and not in the way that you watch it and you go oh my god it went for so long I can't believe that movie dragged it was just like like you said it was Poor old Johnny Wick. He's just going from fight to fight to fight. And, yeah. and it's cool, but yeah, like there isn't much time to breathe in between those scenes. And some of the scenes look awesome. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm just going to say there's this one fight scene where it's shot from above and it's just like single camera panning through certain rooms as a fight's going on. Mm-hmm. Amazingly shot, like you said, Ada. Like the cinematography is just great. But uh, yeah, it is It is a lot. Poor old poor old Johnny Dubs, by the end of it, you can see why he's so damn tired because he's just fought for like, I guess in in real time, like days, several days right? in a row. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. but it's really good. It's really pretty to watch. Yeah. And, um, 
Something else that I think is pretty to watch, and uh, yeah, this episode, listeners, it's going to be a little bit of a tighter one with a with a shorter focus on just a few key news-based hit points, but we're going to be diving deep on a little bit of a spoiler-free review because, yeah, Ali and myself have both managed to get out and check out the Super Mario Bros. movie in the cinema this week. Yeah. So, Miss Hart, I'm going to throw the microphone straight over to you. Let's, let's go spoiler-free. Let's go as deep as you want on this one. Tell me your thoughts about the Super Mario Bros. movie. Uh, as a video game fan and a person that is very familiar with the franchise, I had a lot of fun. Uh, this movie felt like a fan-made movie, uh, just with an, an amazing budget and uh, a lot of uh, talented people coming together to make it and a lot of fantastic actors and voice actors and musical set pieces just coming together to make this wonderful spectacle. Uh, I do agree with the consensus that there is no substance in this movie um, plot-wise. There really isn't like some, you know, deep story. There's a lot of um, a lot of dead spaces and just like not a lot of elaborating, which I, I could understand to a fan base. We don't really want that because we know that. However, I know that this movie has been getting a lot of flack from the critics, I guess, uh, saying very much the same that it's just a nothing movie um and i could see why like if you're not a fan if you don't know it like if you don't know anything about the nintendo franchise i should say nintendo because it's not just mario but um i could see how this would just possibly just fall flat and just look like a, a shiny shiny movie um but yeah for us fans it, it's it's a lot of fun uh, the amount of nods, Easter eggs, little mentions and just everything that they throw in there. Some are just like right in your face and other ones are just so, so subtle that if you, you know, you could just blink or just miss it. But it, it was a fun ride. And yeah, so if you are a fan, I'm definitely saying that you should definitely check it out. Yeah, I um, I, I was smiling through the entirety like it only runs for 92 minutes which i can also appreciate it was a nice tight yeah. condensed runtime it didn't sort of get too bloated but also having a nice tight condensed runtime it means we don't get a ton of depth to the story we don't get a ton of depth or exploration to a lot of the characters it's pretty much just the the mario peach and bowser show for the most part like yeah we've got luigi and toad but you know luigi's sort of out of the periphery for the most part he has a couple of great moments especially um you know near the end of the film I'm not going to say what or why but you know there is some good moments there where you sort of do a little bit of a fist bump for certain characters but for the most part it's it's very light on uh narrative where a couple of plumbers uh you know brooklyn based underdogs sort of i guess for the most part the worst bad word to describe them as but they're sort of you know i guess a bit loserish you know the family doesn't respect them they're not having much success they're just just gone out on their own to try and make it big in the world of plumbing they mm -hmm. get uh transported to the mushroom kingdom they have to then, you know, save the Mushroom Kingdom and I guess the broader universe because uh, Bowser's just doing Bowser things and being an evil dragon with a turtle shell on his back. And, you know, the, the hijinks ensue from there. And th there's a couple of cool set pieces. Uh, but overall, yeah, the, the movie isn't, you know, it ain't no Schindler's List. It ain't nothing like to that depth as far as character exp exploration or uh, just, you know, the weight of the story. But, yeah, I really enjoyed myself. I went on... The Wednesday night, which was sort of the, I guess, the official opening night opening, here in Australia. Yeah. And I'm assuming the cinema for you was probably just as packed as it was for me with lots of families and kids as well. And like you can hear the families and the kids like cheering or even like there's a, a group of like kids in the row behind us and... They, they couldn't have been any more than 10 years old, but like they, every little Easter egg that popped up, they'd be like, oh, that's that from this, oh, that's that character. Like the, the knowledge that these little buggers had about everything to do with Mario, like I was very impressed. Like they were picking up on some things that I missed. And, you know, we, we grew, literally grew up with these characters from birth just about, but these kids that are late to it knew it to like another level. So it was very admirable there was a few times where i want to turn around like shut the fuck up I'm trying to watch the movie i don't want to hear about your things but like it was really fun and everyone in in my viewing had a great time it was one of those eye roll moments at the end when the credits rolled the audience applauded uh which always same, makes me laugh same 
uh, because it's like the the guy in the in the back or the girl in the back that's that's you know press play on the projector. You know, he or she don't care very much, but I guess appreciates that they uh, um, admired the effort she, they put into to get that movie going. But yeah, it was fun. Like I had a really good time with it. Like as I said, it didn't go too long. It was just bam, bam, bam. There was a bit of a Super Mario Bros. Greatest Hits going on. Like you mentioned, a lot of little Easter eggs and references. So you're like, ha-ha, like Leonardo DiCaprioing in the seat okay. the whole time. But it was enjoyable. And I've got to say, like, even though when this was first announced uh, and they announced the, the voice cast and we were like, Chris Pratt as Mario? What, what, what? The second this movie started... And we, we jumped into, you know, Mario or Chris Pratt's shoes and all these other characters' shoes. I'm like, okay, I'm digging this. Chris Pratt, I can see you as Mario. I'm appreciating your work here. Same with Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, Jack Black, Keegan-Michael Key, Seth Rogen, etc., etc. Like, the voice cast was great. One thing I will say on the voice cast, though, it felt like they were sort of, like, almost, like, auto-tuned or just, like changed Keegan-Michael Key's voices toad a lot. Like, I didn't get any Keegan-Michael Key in his vocal delivery, but everyone else that was cast in this film, I thought did really well with the script that they had to play with. Yeah, um, I, to be honest, uh, I didn't know how Keegan was doing the voice, but if, uh, if listen to a few interviews that he's done, and he mm-hmm. actually can do the high pitch voice. Oh, okay. So I, but um, I definitely think with a lot of the characters here, there were definitely pitching. Um, I think there were definitely a lot of manipulation in voice work just so that they can alter it. Um, I like I know that there was a lot of people mentioning that Donkey Kong is just um, Seth uh, Seth Rogen, but it works. Yeah, I ain't sad about it. I was, especially when you hear the Seth Rogen laugh, uh, yeah. I was losing it every time I heard the Seth Rogen laugh. Like I'm like, yes, this is the best. Yeah, I, I, I had no problem with it. It just, it, it worked for me, and it, it made sense. It just fit the character perfectly, and if it does that, then you don't need to change it. Um, I am gonna say though, um, I don't know if it's spoilers. They, they've kind of mentioned it now on social media. But I, I still won't say much about it. But there mm-hmm. is something that Bowser does, uh, actually technically twice in this movie, and it stopped sounding like Bowser and sounded like Jack Black. And that, to me, was a very obvious change in like character voice. And it did kind of put me out of put me out of it. Like I was like, oh, okay, that was a choice. That was kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like in regards to voice work, I will mention that. But uh, um, I was finding it difficult at the start to get used to Chris Pratt as Mario and like hearing I, I just I could just hear Chris Pratt for some reason. And I don't know if that was just me, like if it was a subconscious thing that I was purposely looking out for it. But it was only until more of the supporting cast kind of came into it and like all the characters surrounding, that's when I kind of just stopped listening to him and paying attention to everyone around and how amazing they were doing. So I I, I think that yeah, overall casting work for this, um, did they did really, really well. So Yeah, the, the cast was great and like, the, the Jack Black thing you mentioned, like, I'll say what it is. Like, I don't think it's spoilery by saying that uh, Jack Black sings a couple of things in the in the, in the the film. I'm not going to talk about the context as to why, but, like, yeah, there was moments where Jack Black, who, who obviously lends his voice to, to Bowser, uh, he does really well in that role. But, yeah, there's moments where it just goes from, yeah, Bowser to... Uh, peak 90s early 2000s Jack Black slash Tenacious D and like I enjoyed it but yeah it does sort of feel like he's he's stepping out of Bowser's shoes or Bowser's claws or whatever into into his own in there and it was fun and it was great I love me some Jack Black he's a he's a great quirky you know caricature of a human being and, and he commits to the role but yeah there is a little bit of a disconnect in those two parts and you know they they I've noticed with the movie, they like going back to this a similar well repeatedly in, in the movie itself. Uh, yeah. Something they they didn't go back to the well with repeatedly, though, was the broader soundtrack. They had a couple of absolute bangers on the they soundtrack did, yeah. of this movie. Very, very uh, surprising that we heard, you know, things like ACDC pop up in here and stuff for a Super Mario Brothers film. But it was really enjoyable. Uh, yeah, 92 minutes felt like a perfect amount of time. I wouldn't have been sad if we had an extra maybe 10 to 15 to, to give a little bit more 
depth or backstory to a few of the characters. There was a lot of rushed set pieces just to get us to that final yeah. um, end, end, end goal or end battle or end, uh, end crisis that they had to work through. So it was good. It didn't overstay its welcome. It's going to make an absolute absurd amount of money. This movie is going to, like, it's already uh, generated, I think, over $100 million at the box office already. This thing is going to be huge. They're going to make so many spin-offs of this, of oh, this yeah. movie. Uh, they're already talking about potentially uh, a film focusing on, you know, Donkey Kong Country and, and have Seth Rogen as the lead. Charlie Day sort of voiced his opinion that he'd happily do uh, um, like a Haunted Mansion type of spinoff with, uh, with Luigi. I'm assuming we'll get a Super Mario Bros. 2 movie. Uh, there's a lot that they could they could sort of canvas from, from this universe because obviously this is a, a four decades plus franchise. There's a lot of history and a lot of games and story to sort of potentially pull from and explore a little bit more. So, yeah, I feel we're going to be getting a few more of these movies over the coming years. And even though when it was announced, me personally, I was very skeptical. I thought, oh, no, this is going to be bad. I watched it and I'm like, this is, yeah, it's, it's bad from, I guess, like a pure storytelling perspective where there's not a ton of depth. But overall, I had a good time. I enjoyed it. Great popcorn film. The animation was really well done uh, by Illumination and Universal and then uh, in, in collaboration with Nintendo. I really liked what Aaron Horvath and Michael Jelanik, who uh, directed the film, uh, they're, the, they're the two sort of co-creators of uh, Teen Titans Go, which is also an animated show, which which I'm a big fan of as, as far as the, the tone and, and just the pacing and styling. So it had a little bit of a nod to that in some of the, the writing. But yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. I, I wished a few other characters got a little bit more screen time. But overall, I think it set out to achieve a goal and that was just make a fun, enjoyable movie that kids and adults will enjoy. And it feels that way. It's currently like 46 on Metacritic, which I think is way too aggressively low. Like I feel that this is a solid 7, 8 out of 10 for me. Like it ain't perfect, but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a conundrum for me because I'm a constant complainer of movies going too long. <laughs> and I'm also a constant complainer of, um, you know, media really elaborating and focusing th on things a little bit too much. So this is like on the other end of the scale where it went quite kind of short. But then I also I felt like I could see a lot of cuts. Like I could actually see where maybe they like either cut content or completely shorten content just to make it fit in a runtime. There are a lot of moments where I'm kind of like, oh, OK, that's it. That's OK. Yep. All right. We're just moving on to the next thing and and the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. So I don't know if they were just trying to fit a number of references in a certain amount of time or mm -hmm. or what the overall decision was. So I'm happy it was a short movie. Um I'm kind of happy that they didn't try to overly explain everything. I just think there may have been a few different editing choices on certain scenes where there it was just too abrupt um, to understand why that was okay, like or why choices were made or a conversation even took place, really. But, yeah, the, the references alone, like you said you heard kids, so we went to a later um, viewing because we didn't mm -hmm. want kids because, you know, petty <laughs> petty adults. Um, so we went to a later viewing. We went to one of those expensive one hotels where uh, – hotels. It's expensive cinemas where you can like, like, you know, recline your chair, you get cocktails mm -hmm. and everything like that. So we purposely did all that because we're grown-ass nerd adults. Um, and I just – I know – I made a few noises because I saw references to things that I love. Um, there's a jump scare, and that's all I'm going to say. I didn't anticipate that I was actually going to get jump scared in this, but I, I did. Um, something from my youth uh, resurfaced in this movie, and it, it, was, <laughs> it was it was quite terrifying. But yeah, I just I can't I can't be heavily negative on this movie because hmm. for all the little nitpicking things that I'm saying right now, and it seems very pathetic considering this is a family kids movie so i think overall i would give it like a seven or eight because mm. in the long run i enjoyed it so but in the same sense for anyone that said that they don't like it and they're not a gamer or they don't know the references i wouldn't be mad at them either because i'd understand why so yeah and i guess the good thing with that sort of tighter tighter plot line 
someone that doesn't get the references they, they don't sort of hang around too too long on the screen for them to dwell on it. it's just like there it is all right now on to the next thing so there's not enough time for it to marinate and people get confused so yeah yeah it's 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 a good time like um yeah i was pleasantly surprised with how much i enjoyed myself watching this movie and and maybe the the energy in the cinema elevated it further as well because everyone was having a great time. Like yeah. young, old, everywhere else in between, everyone in that cinema was was right along for that ride. And yeah, it was awesome. And you know, hearing some Beastie Boys in Super Mario Bros. <laughs> that was pretty that, great. That was great. Uh, and and I liked like uh, I won't sort of go spoilers, but I like when they were transitioning, and you can see it in in some of the trailers as well. They where they transition from sort of a three D camera to like the two D plane, where it's sort sure, of yeah. the throwback straight to the the original games, where it's just a, a side scrolling, uh, you know, action platformer, and you're jumping and doing all that. I liked some of that transition work with the the camera, I guess you'd say, because there is a point of reference from where this camera's shooting. So yeah, I like that, but it was very pretty. Like it was very vibrant, and the color pop was huge. The, the the kingdoms were, were diverse and yeah it was a was a greatest hits of super mario bros and i feel we're just getting started with this uh this cinematic universe now because there is going to be many 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 on the way and also shout out to uh mario not enjoying the taste of mushrooms because i can completely relate to that i, so, I enjoyed that realism there <laughs> so same with my husband he he totally understood and felt empathetic to uh mario yeah but no it's super fun do yourselves a favor go check it out if you you're going solo you're taking family you're taking a partner it's it's going to be great for everybody involved everyone's going to have a good time and uh yeah get get along to the to the cinema uh hopefully you're having a great easter long weekend uh, for for people in in majority of the world, I realise that other parts of the globe celebrate Easter the week after, which is interesting. Some some countries in Europe, so yeah, yeah, enjoy Easter. Check out Super Mario Bros. movie, super fun, really well done. Great animation, great soundtrack, great voice work, which is the biggest surprise. And um, you know, great money earner for Illumination Nintendo because uh, this thing gonna be big. Fingers crossed for me. That's one of my hot takes. Yeah. Um. One quick question, though, on, mm. on the topic of this movie. Did you enjoy this more than Sonic? Ooh, that's a good one. Mm. Mm. Shit. So I know you're the resident, you know, you're the Sonic gal as opposed it's to on the, the Nintendo gal. It's on the level for me because for the runtime and maybe a little over explanation or a lot of lingering onto plot points that I don't like with Sonic, there was still a, a lot of moments where it, there, there was a story, there was, you know, development, there was growth. There was like a learning, like a learning, a lesson to learn, I guess, in, in that mm-hmm. movie where as Mario was a movie where it was like ref- <laughs> references per second, um, but not like not a substance underneath. Um, I guess the real question, oh no, because my answer for both would technically be I don't really have a lot of rewatch value in either one. So I don't know. This is kind of difficult. Like, and it's kind of bad because Mario is still fresh in my mind. So I guess I am leaning more towards Mario in that I just recently experienced it and had a great time. But I don't know. Maybe it would have been different if I had watched both mutually. But I mean, they're both good for their respective franchises. Let's just say that. That's it. They're they're similar but different. Like we've got Sonic, which is blending real world uh, environments, real world actors with with animated Sonic and, and characters from that universe. Where this is just a purely animated film, where we're seeing Brooklyn and parts of America, but from an animated lens, wholly and solely. So uh, yeah, there's no very handsome uh, prince esque uh, James Marsden roaming around Super Mario Bros. movie. But yeah, they're they're both good. They're both very different but uh they're both having lots of success and uh yeah, yeah we're going to see more more sequels to come from from both franchises that i have no doubt but yeah super mario bros movie it sounds like it's officially 8-bit approved here we yeah. are giving it that uh that sexy tyrannosaurus rex shaped rubber stamp here 
do yourselves a favor, go check it out, get yourself some popcorn, maybe a chock top and uh, some soda and have a great time. And when you're done having a great time there, you can have an even greater time over at ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8-bit. If you want to support us monetarily, you can do so over there from the low, low price of $1 per month. If you want to get some merchandise, you can do so over at shop8bit.net. If you want to check out the hub for all things 8-bit, you can go to videogamesandculture.com. But Miss Hart, let's jump into this. This week's news headlines presented by Audio-Technica. As we did mention, listeners, we are keeping this episode nice and tight and lean. And the first bit of news here, Sony has registered a patent for a controller that could change temperature as a result of player actions and gameplay. The patent, which was reported on by Xputer, describes a number of conceptual controller features that would enrich haptic experiences with the help of a soft, elast- uh, elast- um, elastically defined deformable elastically deformable miss hart coming in clutch there elastically deformable that one threw me so an elastically deformable sensor component when placed for example on the front of a pad the sensor would detect when the player deforms the controller by pressing twisting rubbing or Mm. crushing it this is getting dangerous. The patent also described the inclusion of a temperature controller apparatus that would allow it to make the accessory hotter or colder depending on player input and likely the gameplay situation. For example, the temperature control apparatus may be controlled such that the larger the amount of deformation, the higher the temperature becomes, reads the patent. This allows the user to feel the temperature change corresponding to deformation. The document also describes the potential of using a combination of magnetic fluid and electric or magnetic fields to change the shape and hardness of the soft pads of the theoretical controller. So, Miss Hart, Sony's getting way out in the weeds way as techie. far as conceptual uh, ideas here, potentially for further immersion and interaction with your controller. But elastically deformable, we've got temperature-based uh, functions going on here. You can press, twist, rub, or crush. My <laughs> goodness gracious, people are going to be needing a cigarette after playing with this controller for a while. And a Gatorade. I <laughs> I don't know how effective making a controller, maybe cold works, but not hot. Like, I don't know how many people out there are like me, but sometimes when you're on the controller and games are getting pretty, pretty crazy, I, I get the sweaty palms. I, I get the, you know the heated heated sweaty hands and then you're just constantly rubbing your like your hands on your pants to like try and get back get that grip back on your controller so i'm not too sure if adding heat is the best option for some of us out there but i do respect and appreciate that sony is still constantly thinking and evolving how we experience video games um i'm sure once upon a time if someone sold this to us way back when maybe even in the 90s or whatever and we'd be like what the hell like this is just crazy talk it's just a video game but um haptic feedback on the playstation controller which i didn't necessarily think too much of when they originally announced it and only until i experienced it i was i i i I was completely wrong it was Mm -hmm. it's such an, an amazing addition to to the experience just having that resistance in certain games like just drawing a bow and having that like resistance in that experience it's just it's so short and such a like brief feeling but it's it just it just adds and it's like it so I can't be angry at this add heat add cold add softness or whatever but like I'm sure they're going to prove me wrong and it's just going to make the gaming experience even better yeah Sony like you know where I'm unapologetically a big Xbox fan love Sony as well and I love the feeling of an Xbox controller in my hands but what Sony are doing from a technological standpoint, is so far ahead of all the other other sort of uh, players that they're they're sort of competing against your, your Xbox, your Microsoft, etc. They're they're just on another path. Like the DualSense controller, like you said, Ali, the the like the, the the real tension you can feel in the triggers when you're taking shots or drawing a bow, little things like that. The even just encompassing the microphone and the speaker yeah. through the DualSense controller, the various levels of haptic feedback, like it is just taking that immersion to another level. And now we've got this potential crazy ass controller that they're working on. Maybe it will come out. Maybe it won't. It makes me very curious. And it's funny. The first game I thought about 
when I'm reading some of these words and the ways this controller works, I'm like, this is this a scorn controller? Is that what oh, this is? No. Where we're like squelching and putting oh, our hands in things no. and rubbing. And that's what I thought. I'm like, maybe not, because that's a little bit too dark and dark and heavy for, for Sony. But um yeah, it's uh it's gonna be interesting. If some of these features and functions do eventually see the light of day, uh it's it's gonna take that gameplay experience to another level. The the hot and cold thing you know, I'm I'm pretty neutral on that, especially when you mentioned, you know, when when you're having a pretty intense gaming session, yeah, the old palms, as as Eminem can reference, you know, they they get sweaty, and you, you don't want to be dealing with that with vomit on your sweater already at the same time. So it's going to be risky. Yeah, it's um, it's risky, but the fact that there could be like a, a deformable, movable button is very interesting to me. But it feels like too. Some of these controllers, they are getting a little bit more fragile as far as they've got so much smarts in them. It means there's more parts that can break down or True. fail. Like we're yeah. seeing like the, the, the switch controllers are the king, you know, the, the drift and everything else that happens on them little buggers. So knowing that there's this potential sensor that can be pressed, twisted, rubbed and crushed, it feels like that thing needs to be made out of adamantium to ensure that it ain't going to break. But with all that kind of aggressiveness and touching and interaction, it feels like that's a component that would be getting replaced pretty often if this thing does ever come out because, you know, people people can aggressively rub things a little too hard and, and things can happen. So uh, I'm oh, yeah, worried yeah. about what will happen with this controller. Yeah, I, I also see this in the direction of Sony also supporting VR and um, also trying to just make the experience of VR even more immersive. So mm. I, props to them. Hope they work on it and I hope they succeed and it just, you know, evolves into an even better gaming experience for everyone. Yeah, th- this could certainly uh, have some good success in the more uh, mature-based uh, VR Jeez. content. You know, I'll leave it at that. Uh, but let's let's move on to the next bit of news. And we referenced this uh, little blue hedgehog just earlier in our Super Mario Bros. film review there. So the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog has officially crossed 1 million downloads and has become one of Steam's highest rated games ever. Sonic the Hedgehog's social media manager took to Twitter to share the news, saying over 1 million of you have grabbed the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, and it's currently the 61 highest, oh, number 61 from a highest rated game perspective on Steam of all time. Absolutely unreal. Thank you all so, so much, end quote. For those unfamiliar, The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog is a murder mystery slash visual novel game that Surprise launched on Steam just before April Fool's Day of 2023. In the game, which is free, might I add, it is Amy Rose's birthday and she's hosting a murder mystery party that this, that has Sonic becoming the victim. However, things quickly start feeling a bit strange. It's then your job as a new character to interrogate Sonic's friends and to try to get to the bottom of this mystery on the train known as the Mirage Express. So I saw this pop up on the socials uh, over that April Fool's Day period and I just thought it was a piss take. As is tradition, a lot of these companies, they just go crazy with their their April Fool's-based jokes and new products and new releases which are all fictitious. But this is a real game. It's a murder mystery. It's a visual novel. It sounds awesome. I'm actually hella intrigued and want to play this. I am yet to touch it, yet to download it. The great thing is it's free, so I'm not sad about that. There's no cost to get involved in this. But um, are you in? Are you going to be jumping in the the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog and giving this a spin? Or have you already done it? I haven't yet. I I need to give it a try. But I have to be honest. Like I saw the announcement and just assumed it was like April Fool's and it was just really detailed and they were like really kind of getting into it and stuff. And I'm like, okay, clever, clever. And it was only until a friend also posted it again, said, Oh, have you played this? And I'm like, I, it's, it's, it's an April Fool's, isn't it? Like, no, no, it's a real game. And I'm like, Oh damn. So it's, if it is free, then there's no harm in me giving it a try. Um, I'm not really into visual novels. Uh, they tend to drag a little for me, but uh, I might just give this one a try because, I mean, it's so so unique and so silly for the franchise. But, I mean, I I guess you kind of have to play it to experience what it's, what it's really about. Like, it's 2023 and, and I guess nothing is surprising anymore. Like, we've got a, a Sonic the Hedgehog murder mystery. We've got Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt playing Super Mario himself. Like, 
Yeah, the, the world doesn't make sense these days, Miss Hart. Everything is upside down. And something else that uh, is also upside down and a bit of an eyebrow raiser, it's, it's just the nostalgia tour this episode. Uh, we're, we're going back to the well again <laughs> here because Legendary Entertainment now holds the rights for live action film and television adaptations of Capcom's Street Fighter franchise. The company announced earlier this week, all projects from Legendary will be developed in conjunction with Capcom. And this week's announcement didn't reveal any specific details, but there is an upcoming film in the works. And the production company has previously dipped its toe in the video game world with this Detective Pikachu movie. Legendary is also responsible for Dune, Enola Holmes, and the modern MonsterVerse movies. So, we are getting another live-action adaptation of Street Fighter. There's no uh, confirmation yet that uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is returning (laughs) to the... The role of everyone's favorite American hero, Guile. But uh, I'm very curious to see who they might cast. And I just wanted to throw that uh, that question over to you. Who do you think would be good to play one of the leads? You don't have to just focus wholly and solely on Guile. You could go Ryu, Ken, Chun-Li, Cammy, Bison, whoever. Who would uh, you like to see cast in this uh, new adaptation? I think it's an easy bet, but I it just works. But like Florence Pugh as Cammy. Um, just kind of makes sense because like she she's already been part of the Black Widow franchise and she originally I think came, came from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just it just kind of works and she's she's a I don't know she's a natural blonde but she's more predominantly seen with blonde hair so it just kind of works for me. It's working for me too. Thinking about I it, think it's goodness. working. I've for got a lot such of a crush on Florence Pugh. My goodness, <laughs> she's quite adorable. Oh. Um, that that's that's one bet. I'm I'm always worried though because there's a lot of characters, and plus I love I have such a soft spot for the original <laughs> movie. It's so bad, I but know. I love it too for its badness. Yeah, but I think I think we are now in a day and age where um, Street Fighter is a very popular uh, franchise. So um, you know, we I, I hope I hope in making this they they really think out of the box and have representation in actors who can play these roles and play these characters into their respective country of origin and just do it justice. There's really no reason why. So that's all I can hope for this movie. Yeah, I I feel like we we did sort of talk glowingly about the the film from the nineties. Like it is a bad movie. Anyone that says otherwise is high. But, like, it's an enjoyable bad movie. Yeah. It's, you know, there's some funny moments. There's some weird creative decisions with what they do with some of the characters in in the movie to just sort of shoehorn as many as they can in. But, yeah, Florence Pugh is Cammy. I can firmly get behind that. Um, As far as who to to play with Ryo and Ken, I'm going to have to sort of dwell on that for a little while. I think if we get, like, someone playing Akumi, you need someone with a pretty sort of... um, intense face and i keep thinking like ron perlman as akuma like i don't know if he'd be able to get that yoked uh in there but he's got like akuma sort of face i could picture him playing a bit more of a mature based akuma in this uh in in this live action adaptation because he's just got one of those faces that could be sort of almost like this demonic martial arts uh you know aficionado so Maybe see some Ron Perlman make their way in. Um, as far as who plays like M. Bison and Sagat and Vega and stuff, I don't know. Uh, Vega needs to be pretty. He is a pretty guy. Yeah. That, that was, yeah. That, that's, that's, my one, that's my one negative on the original movies. They made some older actor that he was a nice looking dude, but like Vega needs to be pretty. He There's a yeah. reason why that man needs to wear a mask. Yeah, he's, Wait, he's, he's always dashingly he's handsome. Cracked. He's protecting it. It's not so ugly he needs the mask. He's protecting something that is beautiful. Yep, yep. So we need to find the most handsome man around to play uh, Vega. But um, yeah, listeners, what do you think? Who would you? Who is your dream casting for the, the live action uh, adaptation again of Street Fighter? We'll, we'll sort of kick this discussion going on to the socials because I'd be very curious to see if we can come up with sort of a, a bit of a a top tier billing as far as who we feel would be best to play these certain characters. I haven't done any Googling to sort of see what the internet is already saying. There would be plenty around I'd imagine, but yeah, I'm very curious to see who's going to fall into which character's shoes or feet because there is a lot of barefoot fighting, but um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Curious to see who they focus on as far as the, the primary uh, lead 
protagonist there and and i'm just assuming we're going to get some bison cigar and everything like that as far as your, your main big baddies but uh yeah i'm not sad about this like we mentioned the the film in the 90s it was fine uh it was enjoyable it was eye rolly the animated films and the animated tv like the anime series they've done off the back of street fighter are really 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 good watches so check that out too if you if you're hungry for some more street fighter lore but uh yeah i've got a street fighter film on the way uh which is uh good news good news Mm. All right, other good news and other celebrations ties directly into Star Wars now. Overnight, we've just had the uh, Star Wars celebration take place with a ton of announcements coming out of it. And we'll just sort of go through this bullet point style. Uh, So we've confirmed that Andor Season 2 is likely to be releasing in summer of 2024. That's US summer, so we're talking Australian winter of 2024. Filming is scheduled to be completed this coming August. Uh, They've confirmed that The Acolyte will be coming in 2024 on Disney Plus as well. That's going to be another TV series. Uh, We get a lot of new logos, a lot of static graphics on a lot of these films and TVs. Uh, TV announcements, they were talking more uh, Mandalorian. There was a sneak peek at um, what's happening in the seventh episode of the latest season with some big, big spoilers and announcements. So just watch out if you want to try and avoid some spoilers there because the internet is running rampant with that. Uh, they showed first looks and sort of behind the scenes sneak peeks for Skeleton Crew, which is slated to be dropping in 2023 on Disney Plus. And then we got the first trailer for Ahsoka, which is coming out in August of 2023. And that trailer, mm, I was very excited to see not only some of the characters make their debut from animated to live action, but some of the references, some of the characters that we only see from certain positions so we don't get to fully see them but we see them and i'm super hyped for ahsoka there so that was sort of the tv piece now if we shift to the film side for star wars uh we've got movies that are going to be spanning over nine eras uh dave filoni is directing a movie which is going to culminate the mandoverse based events we've got james mangold directing a movie about the first jedi called dawn of the jedi and mm. we also have Charmaine obeyed chinoy's movie which is going to be at a new jedi order it's 15 years after episode nine and daisy ridley is returning as ray for that one and then to sort of close things out, we also got the final trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is making its way to cinemas on June 30th. So some big, big announcements uh, the last uh, several hours here from a, from a Disney perspective, a ton of new things to get excited about for Star Wars because, uh, yeah, we've got like new trilogies coming out. We've got new standalone films. Uh, the James Mangold film sounds interesting, Dawn of the Jedi, because it's yeah. apparently set like thousands of years prior to anything that we've experienced so far so it's going way way back it kind of scares me that one of the one of the quotes that james mangold said he's like it was like the 10 commandments or something i'm like geez we're going fucking biblical up in here now they like might. i know there's religion they heavily might. yeah but it's kind of cool because we're getting some darker stuff some funnier stuff some uh in between uh the the skeleton crew um show that they're talking about they're saying it's very like inspired by the goonies and jude laura's in that with a lot of like younger cast members so it's going to be a little bit more family oriented but um the biggest one for me outside of uh some some new films coming and and seeing ray return love me some daisy ridley she's great in that role uh, that's awesome, but uh, the trailer for Ahsoka got me hyped because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that I was, like, cheering for late last night when I watched that trailer. What's uh, what's your feeling on all this stuff? Uh, I'm... I'm... Uh, I'm... I'm a wet blanket. I, I'm a bit exhausted <laughs> of the all this Star Wars content and just constantly like pushing out more and more and more like Star Wars-related stuff that I'm just a bit... I'm just over it like I just feel like we're just getting way too much and way too soon and like it's feeling like the comic book movies where I'm just really caring caring less um and I don't know like I can't say from my perspective but like I don't know how other people are feeling but I don't know if the quality is there as well like like it's starting to and I hate saying this it's starting to feel less special um Mm. you know it's it's just it's feeling very mass produced and stuff so um, I, I just hope that maybe maybe by having already things in the works and like really focusing on stuff, maybe they'll allow other directors to make kind of different decisions on how they're going to 
um, bring the story across. That's why I'm not so mad about the Dawn of the Jedi. I'm hoping that that is going to be just absolutely so far removed of everything in this, like the timeline that we are pretty used to seeing that maybe it will just be a different feeling altogether. Um, that, that's my biggest hope. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll just be exactly like everything else. But um, I, I'm also kind of excited for also the Old Republic and the High Republic kind of stuff as well. Just, I guess just, I guess some of that nasty Jedi stuff um, that instead of them just always being the good good for mm. the most part. So, yeah. But overall, I, I also love my favorite Jedi, Indiana Jones. Um Big, big fan of his work yeah. in Star Wars yeah, it, universe. It was, like, it, it made me chuckle. It doesn't surprise me. Like, did it need to be thrown in the back end of that? Probably not, especially because it was just the final. Like, it wasn't a debut announcement. It wasn't a debut trailer. Like, we've known that this movie's been coming out for a while and they've been yeah. steadily force-feeding us trailers and information, but they just sort of tacked that on the back of it because everyone loves, and everyone loves Indy and everyone loves Harrison Ford, but... Yeah, I like like what you mentioned. It's it's great that we're getting out into the weeds and we're going as far away with some of this stuff from the the Skywalker based mm-hmm. storytelling that they just seem to constantly love to go back to. So it's kind of cool that we're going to go way back and get an origin story. Uh, one of one of the quotes as far as some of the new content to come out that they're expecting, they sort of the the pitch that they initially did it was like um, it's Frozen meets Kill Bill for one of the films, and I'm like, um, what? I beg your pardon, but I'm like, I like both those franchises. Can you make that into a science fiction epic? I'm like, okay, I'm listening. But yeah, yeah, I I completely agree with your statement too, that it's starting to feel a little watered down and a little less special. Like even seeing a little bit of that, like love the Mandalorian, love Pedro Pascal and what they're doing there. But some of those episodes are starting to feel a little weaker, a little watered down a little just check the box to get us to the next plot point there is some still awesome moments in this third season but like they're just like fuck we need to we need to make another eight episodes here to get us to this final result what can we do to fill in there what celebrity cameos can we find because they are just getting out of control with these celebrity cameos popping up in it now like yeah it's it's disney doing disney things but yeah, it feels like it's cheapening the, the yeah. magic and the luster of Star Wars a little bit at times. So I'm not up to date on The Mandalorian. However, because the internet, I know exactly what you're referencing. I've seen clips of what you're referencing from The Mandalorian. And the most accurate description of what that was or how it appeared was someone um, said, is this, is this a Super Bowl Doritos commercial? And I just went, Perfect. oh, my God goodness yes that's that's exactly what this kind of feels like now so yeah and that's what it is like I like I like that term like watered down because you know like while the basis of all the cool stuff is there it is definitely it's not all it's not all Milo there's a little bit more milk now um in there than there is Milo and it's just becoming less and less special yeah, which is sad. Like they they can still prove us wrong by making some great content here, and you know, like Andor sort of stands apart as far as the most recent Star Wars entries because it was great from start to finish. It was totally very different. So if they can give us a couple of home runs amongst this other watered down stuff, then I'll I'll accept it and I'll tolerate it. I'll complain about the bad stuff, but also praise the good stuff. But there's some stuff there to get excited about on the on the sure, way. Yeah. And the cool thing is. Uh, a lot of these shows uh, are coming out in 2023. So we've got a lot of Star Wars content coming at us at the back end of the year. The film's a little further back behind that. But uh, yeah, Ahsoka's going to be great in August, Skeleton Crew later this year. And then uh, next year, it's just going to it's gonna flow forever. Like Star Wars yeah. is going to outlive us all. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's a good and a bad thing, I guess. Uh, something else that is a good thing, if you don't want to wait until these Star Wars films come your way, don't worry because we got you covered. New releases and events. All right, so we're obviously talking about releases dropping from the 10th of April through to the following week. Uh, And as far as things making their way to the podcasting place, we have our Resident Evil 4 remake spoiler cast dropping right here on the THG RSS feed. So get that in your ear holes. It is an absolute marathon episode that goes for well over two hours and 20 minutes. We try it. It was funny. Optimistically, we're like, we're going to try and make this one a nice tight runtime 
hour or so, and then yeah, two and a bit hours later, there we are, still uh, barely scratching the surface on <laughs> RE4. But hell of a listen there. Obviously, the first half of that is spoiler-free, so if you get to play the game, you can listen along, hit pause, go play the game, come back and get the full experience. As far as things coming out on the small screen, we've got Renovation Season 1 making its way to Disney+, Plus, as well as Auntie Donna's Coffee Cafe, uh, which obviously, Auntie Donna's, those guys are just going from strength to strength to strength here, not only locally across Australia, but abroad. Like, these guys are starting to pop off. Yeah. I find them funny sometimes. Other times, I'm just like, I don't get it. But you know what? (laughs) The rest of the world gets it, and uh, they're doing great. So kudos to them. I've also got the final season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and that is making her way to Prime Video this week as well. So that's another show. I'm yet to really check it out, but it's getting a lot of positive press. Have you watched any of of that one as well or not? No, I haven't. Some people have recommended it to me, so maybe it has to go on the pile. But I know that it's got a very popular fan base, and I think some of our listeners are big fans of it. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you wanted to uh, get that cinema experience into your veins this week, we've got a couple of movies. One very interesting one called Mafia Mama <laughs> with Tony Collette yes. as the lead there. Uh, looks like a time. And then the other one is an animated film called Suzumi. And that is the, the latest film entry by Makoto Shinkai, who's most, uh, most known for hits such as Your Name, uh, which is, I think, one of the still the, the third highest grossing anime film of all time. And then he's yeah. followed that up with Weathering With You. And yes, yeah, Suzumi is his seventh film in his uh, very fabled career. So if it's anything like Your Name or even Weathering With You, it's going to be a very big, emotional, romantic, heartbreaking, beautiful journey. I'm looking forward to checking that one out. As far as games coming out this week, we've got Sherlock Holmes The Awakened, which is a remake making its way to uh, just about every platform. We've got Tron Identity making its way to Switch and PC. Hearthstone Festival of Legends uh, expansion, which is dropping 145 new cards to the collection coming out this week. Ghostwire Tokyo making its way to the Xbox after that 12-month exclusivity period with Sony has lapsed. And the last one, Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection coming to PlayStation, Switch, and PC. So plenty of games, plenty of things to do this coming week. Uh, Miss Hart, that brings us to the end, officially, episode 322 of THG. Anything else you want to shout out, mention, reference, etc. before we get on out of here for another seven days? Uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to uh, our friend Kat who appeared on our Halloween special. Um, uh, here are Screen Press, uh, which is their collective of inclusive uh, horror stories and narrative and stuff. They're doing a um, a Kickstarter and they're looking for supporters to get their content out there. So if you are a fan of horror and you want to support local, uh, just give them a, give them a look at uh, Here Us Scream. And, um, yeah, show, show, show your love to horror, show your love to local horror aficionados and fanatics and aspiring writers and such and uh, throw some dollary dudes their way. Do so because, yeah, Kat and the crew over there are creating some fantastic content and uh, it's awesome to see that brand go from strength to strength from where they were just first releasing um, with writers from all walks of life, but now they've set up their own publishing arm, which is, you know, an awesome, awesome step to take. So, yeah, check out Hear a Scream on the socials of the internet and, uh, yeah, throw some buckaroos their way if you can because I'm sure Kat and the crew would appreciate that very much. But, Miss Hart, that brings us to the end of THG three two two, it's it's been a it's been a roller coaster. It's been a lot of Mario love. It's been a lot of uh, nostalgia talk today uh-huh. uh, with some Sonic, some Street Fighter, some Mario. But we'll be back for episode three two three this time next week as well. But uh, be sure to follow myself at Brendan Eight Bit Ali at Miss Ali Hart and all of us at We Are Eight Bits. But until next time, Eight Bit Nation, it has been an absolute pleasure bringing you this episode to you. But we'll see you in the future. And until then. Much love. And stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.